Welcome back to the Sharp End Podcast, a podcast aimed at minimizing future outdoor accidents by way of storytelling. Real people sharing real stories. I'm Ashley Soppy, the creator and producer of this show. And this is a bonus episode for all of my favorite Sharp End listeners. Today I talk with Douglas, who owns a very small gear company called Rope Light LLC. Tune into this episode to hear about how this episode came about and why he started this company. I hope you enjoy. Well, welcome to the show, Douglas. Thanks for being here this evening with me. Um, This is a bonus episode for all the listeners. Um, And so, yeah, Douglas, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody who you are? Uh, My name is Douglas Ray, and I live in Bellingham, Washington. Um, I work as an educator. And in my spare time, I run a tiny little business called Rope Light, where we make custom splice gear for climbers and uh, ski mountaineers and canyoneers and other people who use ropes. Very cool. And what kind of educator are you? Uh, that's a long answer. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I work in the Bellingham School District, um, specifically focused on kids with significant behavior challenges and if you want the full explanation, it would take the whole episode. Okay. Well, thanks um, for being an educator. That's important work. So mm-hmm. um, you said you started a company, a small little company called Rope Light. And that's why you reached out to me initially, right? Because you, you listened to the last episode, the December 1st episode, and then you, you emailed me. So let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Um, and actually, uh, you said you wanted to hear uh, how, why I started Rope Light. I started Rope Light actually because I'm a part of Bellingham Mountain Rescue. And initially, I was just unhappy with some of the equipment we had, specifically our litter bridle. And I went on this journey of trying to figure out how to make one that was smaller and lighter. And I used to splice things when I was a kid because I w- spent time on sailboats. And so I made a splice litter bridle for our um Bellingham Mountain Rescue. And I figured out that with this technology, I could make all sorts of things. And I started fiddling around and making things and the things that I used. And um, my friends started telling me, Doug, you got to start a business with this stuff. You got to sell these things. And I didn't, I wasn't very interested in that for a long time. But then at some point, I had come up with a few things I thought were pretty good. And I was like, the only way that these would ever be out there is if I make them and sell them. Mm. What's splicing? So, so splicing is a way of securing rope and cordage that um, is, there's, there's many different varieties, but essentially you take it somewhat apart and reassemble it in a different configuration. So to make a loop in the end, instead of tie it in a knot, you, you somehow open up the weave of the rope and then put it back together. And so splicing retains much more strength in ropes than tying knots. That's very and that's a lot of the advantage if you're trying to save weight. You can use a smaller cord because you can keep a lot more of the strength. And you do testing on your own equipment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, have a, I have a test set up. I have to go set it up between trees. So it's a very seasonal device. But, um, but I do break test a lot of things. I started as process testing and some other local businesses that have equipment. And then I bought my own stuff. And I try to test, like I, I invented a splice and, that I call the snake splice. And with that, there's two versions. There's an eye splice and there's a loop that I make out of it. 
And each of those, after I got the thing that worked the way I wanted it to work, I had to go break five of them <laughs> in each cordage size to make sure, because that's as close as I can tell to what like UIAA testing standards are. You test five samples of something to decide how strong it is. Oh, that's very interesting. Um, well, thanks for your work with search and rescue too. That's that's also very challenging work mentally, emotionally, and physically. Mm-hmm. So thanks for that. Um, that's like you know, like I was saying at the beginning, like that's sort of how you and I even started talking with each other because you know you listened to the last episode, the December first episode of the guy who got um, he fell into a you know he, a snow bridge collapsed as he was skiing down, and then two guys came upon him and, and then rescued him. So what? Tell us mm-hmm. about your side of the story of all of that. Well, my side of the story was, so this past spring, this was, this was a day when I'd been out, like the weather was nice and I, and I'd gone rock climbing and I was on my way back. And then this call out comes out and there was a part of me that was very frustrated because I, I was away and I had to get home before I could respond. Cause that's um, where your gear is. But it was, you had to like go back and get your search and rescue gear. Well, yes. And, and there was like my search and rescue gear was at home. I was quite a ways away rock climbing without that gear. And our initial response was going to be probably to try to get a team to the airport, which would have been the opposite direction from where I was from. Like I would have to go past my house to the airport. Um, so I got it as a late, a late comer to the response. Like I got home and packed stuff and then called somebody and I looked over the information that was there and they're like, well, we have a team that's at the airport. We're trying to get a helicopter to pick them up and fly them up there. We have another team that's on its way to, we're trying to get snowmobiles to take them up on the other side of the mountain. And I was like, well, if you need any more people, <laughs> let me know. And then a half hour later, we got the stand down that he was out of the crevasse and had been rescued. But, but I, I, you know, I, a lot of why I started rope light was, that I had come up with these little friction hitches that work on these tiny little ropes we like to take on glaciers. And they commented in your episode that they, like our Prusiks didn't work very well. And I was like, you should have the Prusiks I came up with and you shouldn't have to buy them. You obviously are the people who need them. So I reached out because I wanted to give those guys better tools if they ever have to do this again. That you make. Mm-hmm. And so why, um, you know, they did make that comment, but can you explain to the listeners who aren't into glacier travel, um, glacier mountaineering, that type of, that type of world, why would a, a normal Prusik or a larger um, diameter Prusik not work on a skinny rope? Okay. Um, so, so what we're talking about in terms of a Prusik is it's, it's in the category of what you call a friction hitch. And so you tie something around a rope. And the purpose of that something is that when you when you put tension on it, it's going to grip the rope with friction and hold. And so pretty much all friction hitches usually are tied with smaller rope. Well, yeah, there's the host rope. And then there's what we call the hitch cord or the prusik loop. And so with most of the cordage we use climbing, we really need quite a bit of size difference between the host rope and the the hitch cord or prusik loop that we're using and there's a lot of other factors that affect that which notably how soft or stiff the prusik cord is or wet and and or dry yes it so it's one of those like um for whatever so most people so common things use nine millimeter climbing rope use six millimeter cord to make prusiks and friction hitches and um that will generally work and if you get it wet, it doesn't work as well, but it still kind of will. Um, 
but when you get down to eight millimeter host rope, it starts to not work as well without six millimeter cord. And so you can get yourself chasing in this little circle of smaller cord and the smaller cord is weaker. And so um, when you get down to a host rope, which is six millimeter, like Petzl rad line, like Mamut glacier line, that kind of thing, you would be looking in normal cordage world for like a three and a half or four millimeter cord, but those aren't really very strong. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I learned, because I started messing with all these other marine cordages in my business, and I found some that are just really, really soft. And they deform a lot when they're used as a, as a friction hitch. And so I found this hollow braid five millimeter cord that works fine, a three wrap prusik on that. Um, on dry material will hold, I tested five of those to the first slip by tensioning them and they've held between 2.2 and 2.8 kilonewtons. You're really into this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have started this, this weird hobby business if I wasn't super nerdy about it. When did you start rope light? In July. Oh, so it's new. Yes. Yes. It's not quite six months old. Oh my gosh. Well, happy nearly six month birthday and thank you um okay and so did, did, did the guys from december 1st episode did they reply back to you so dave got a hold of me and i sent him i sent him some stuff he's actually he's an example of the kind of person that i really like to talk to about this because he is a ski mountaineer but he's also like an arborist and a rope access technician and in my own work with search and rescue and in my own like um crevasse rescue stuff like i start to use all these techniques from both arborism and rope access actually and so i i hope he and i'll get a chance to sit down and chat at some point about all of that very cool do you have any of these of your equipment that you can show the listeners that are watching on youtube oh i have all sorts of stuff i actually was just making stuff because i knew you would ask <laughs> Am I that predictable? <laughs> well, well, you know, you, you said, hey, can you do it tonight? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, shoot, I sent away in the last of my samples of micropressics. So this is the little pressic that works on six millimeter ropes really well. And this is the smallest one that would probably works. It's the 22 centimeter loop. And this is what most people usually order. This is about a 30 centimeter loop. And, um, and this spliced section in the middle um, this is this is the snake splice that I came up with, and its big thing is it's a lot shorter than other splices. Splices usually take up an awful lot of rope, so this is much shorter. Um, but unlike sewn things, one of the things people comment is like this is all soft and flexible, and so like you can take this thing and like twist it up really small and put it on a carabiner, and some people really like that. Yeah, no dangles. Um, no, no, nothing really dangles off of that. And then um, uh, another another thing that I make, um, this was this was a big project for Search and Rescue that no Search and Rescue has bought. Like these are anchor slings. And these are six millimeter Dyneema anchor slings that are 36 kilonewton material. And, um, but this is what like deep berry splices look like. Like this is the spliced part of the rope. And as you can see, there's nothing that like grabs or bumps or whatever, and you can tie knots in this anywhere. So what would so a search no and rescue team spot. use that for? Well, so what, what I was working on this, because in our search and rescue world, we need to build anchors that are at least 20 kilonewtons. And um, 
we're always in a hurry. And so we mostly build anchors uh, two ways. We mostly build them by slinging trees or um, by equalizing a whole bunch of stuff buried in the snow. That's, that's kind of what we end up doing. And so this device, it has loops in the ends and you can, it's strong enough Girth that you it. can, you can, yeah, you can, well, this is called choker configuration in the logging world, but you can do this around a tree and it's still like 27 kilonewtons ish. Um, and you can use it like a cordelette and tie knots in it and end up with 12 kilonewtons per strand, which is as strong as any of the things you're clipping it to. Um, and you can hitch them together. That was one of the big things I wanted. If they're not long enough, you can do this with them. And because these end loops have twice as much material um, as this, so it's like this single strand has 36 kilonewtons. So you have like two 36 kilonewton strands, and then this weakens it a lot, but you still end up with about 30 kilonewtons at this connection. So these are stupidly strong and they're not very heavy. Um, haven't sold any of those. Well, hopefully we can get some for, sold for you because yeah. I know a lot of search and rescue personnel listen to this show. And, you know, if you are rating your gear and testing your gear and it's, you know, and tried and tried and true from your search and rescue team in Washington, you know, I don't see why you would maybe get some sales. Hopefully I hope. Possibly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the, the one that's turned out to be popular, this is a version made out of five millimeter, 22 kilonewton cord and canyoneers love this thing. <laughs> And it's, these are very light and they don't absorb water, which canyoners really like. And what's your favorite piece of equipment? Like what's your bread and butter? Well, my bread and butter. So the thing that sells all the time is the micro pressing mm -hmm. and, um, and the micro hitch cord. Um, I think the thing that I like using the most are those lighter anchor slings. Like I made my first prototype, I did some testing um, at a local business and I made one and I took it climbing and I was like, this thing is actually just really, really easy to use all the time. And so I've used it a lot. And um, my, I think the coolest thing I make are litter bridles and they're the most esoteric and I don't know if I'm ever gonna sell another one. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, actually I have one here and I'm not gonna try to show cause I don't have a litter. But people who are in search and rescue are familiar with litter bridles will realize how little this is. Very and cool. the litter bridle that we had when I started were 24 ounces. And when I finished designing and making one out of the splice material of splice polyester, not like high tenacity fiber, it ended up being less than eight ounces. Oh my gosh. That's and a that third was one of, those of the weight. Like, yeah, and that was that was a part of the light bulb going on for me of like, oh, I could actually make things that are like a lot lighter than most of the other things I use. Wow. Well, that's really impressive. Well, thank you for your enthusiasm for education, search and rescue, and rope light and gear. Like that's just you're making the world mm -hmm. a better, faster place, <laughs> mm -hmm. lighter place. Um, so what's what's your website? My website is ropelightllc.com. Okay. And you're taking sales. So you, you are selling gear. Taking sales. Yep. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much for, for chatting with me for those for these few minutes. And um, yeah, I really appreciate your time. And thanks for listening to the show. And thanks for hooking those guys up from the December 1st episode with your gear. Because it seems like that's they are literally the, the guys for, for that type of equipment. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and they're also like... 
you know, like in our search and rescue world, we were several hours behind just from all of the administrative drag. And so bystanders going and getting people out of crevasses is really the thing that needed to happen right then. And I'm really glad that it did. Make sure to check out Douglas's website at ropelightllc.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to the new Sharpen podcast channel on YouTube. And as always, remember, play hard and be smart.